You're listening to the AFL Unlimited podcast, where we tackle all the hot topics in the AFL and bring you up to speed with everything you need to know in the football landscape. We'll take a look at this weekend's games and have some mixed discussion about what to expect. Let's head up to the box for the opening bounce. Are Port back in this season? The Dogs need a trip to the vet after some big injuries and West Coast are in a world of pain on and off the field. All that and more in this episode of AFL Unlimited. Boys, we're all back for this episode. Welcome, Chalk. Oh, good to be back. Two weeks. I'm back. I'm fresh <laughs> as a daisy. I'm He's Patrick fresh. Dangerfield. <laughs> ready to kick. Back. Ready to get to Shorty, you're here also. Oh, I am. How are we, boys? <laughs> yeah, great. Good to have you here and tears yeah. as well. Hello, all. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here and get amongst it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is always a pleasure. Um, yeah, it's inter- not probably not the best weekend of football um, in, in terms of the uh, standard that we've seen so far this mm. year, but some, some interesting results and some big uh, singular player performances. Yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great chat. There always is, my friend. We're They're so always ready. Great. I didn't catch much footy over the weekend, I must say. I listened to a lot. Yeah, it'd probably a good weekend mm. to miss out on. Mm. I think there was... Uh, a bit of conjecture, Lang's RE, the best player of the round amongst the polls, if you wanted to go into that. Yeah, yeah, well, um, we voted Tom Lynch the player of the round. Six goals, 25 disposals, we'll get that. But Patrick Cripps was actually le- really close, almost leading, or he was leading the votes uh, very close to the end of the poll. But um, some, some big performances from some players, and one of them was uh, Jack McRae on the Friday night, but he couldn't get the dogs over the line. Well. What are you doing, Jackson? Let's <laughs> <laughs> <to> do more. <laughs> but um, we might get stuck into that game. <laughs> oh, wow. That was it's the, almost like that it was a segue. That was, that was, that was, that was segue, the point yeah. of the segue. But, uh... <laughs> Sorry, mate. I didn't sleep too well. So, um, it's been, it's been, it's a, been, game, been a big year. Um, you lose one multi and you go under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. You um, go poorly in I'm, the tipping and you forget how to speak. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anywho, over to the, the Friday night game uh, that Lang's <laughs> segued over to myself. Uh, the He's just double-sided. Oh, my God. Um, Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs, obviously Friday night, um, you know, 17 point win for the Port Adelaide Power. I was about to say the, the prom, not the prom. So, um, <laughs> what, is right. going, what is going on? This could be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> it's, this is what it's like having Robbo on. So, <laughs> um, you know, Port got back, you know, their, their brand of footy and, you know, brought home their third win of the season and, um, you know, they won all of them on the trot as well. So they're Ooh. tracking on, along pretty nicely, you know, three and five at the mm. moment. Um, you know, they were too tough in the contest and, you know, they were given time and space and if you give a lot of teams time and space, um, you're in a bit of trouble and, you know, dog's pressure probably wasn't quite there. Uh, you know, their rebound from D50 was prolific and sort of exposed the dogs at either end. It was kind of naught or nothing at, at times. And We've said that a few times, haven't we, about the dogs? It keeps, it keeps coming up. There's, yeah. there's an elephant in the room and his name's Aaron. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the dogs are also three and five, uh, but, you know, they still haven't fully kicked into gear. And, you know, they're only wins against North, Sydney and Essendon. So I wouldn't really say um, amazing wins, uh, considering where those sites are sit and... Port looked to be on the upwards trend where the dogs were, they're kind of in no man's land, it's popped up a little bit. Of Dangerous like, of place like, to be. You don't want to be there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Port's forward line, you know, was on fire. They took several contested marks and, you know, they took their chances for most of the night. They kicked six points in the last quarter. They kicked pretty well up until that point and we saw, you know, some good separation mm. from the key forwards and we just saw, you know, that inability for the dogs to be able to defend that. And, um, yeah, interesting overall and who makes way... For Charlie Dixon, when he's fit and firing, 
mm. and can the dogs still make finals? So, boys, we'll gather mm. some thoughts about the game, and then we've got a couple of big questions around Charles. Well, I don't think Charles is fit or firing, but the Sandfall team actually have a bye this week, so I think he automatically has to come to the AFL team. Um, wow. Who makes way for him is the next question. Marshall's probably had his best best year. Mm. George Yardis is going okay, but maybe comes out with some injury issues because he probably wasn't meant to play on Friday anyway. But um, yeah, okay, yeah, it's a bit of a selection dilemma. I wonder I'd... if they dabble in the old three prong attack, which hasn't always been kind to them. No, it doesn't often work. No, it can work though. Maybe did but Finn Mason I... play? Could he come out? He did play. Yeah, didn't he play pretty well? Yeah, he, he kicked three. And I think they all played pretty you, well. Your yeah, mate. Right? <laughs> Finlayson kicked three. Yeah. Um, I think something Ken said himself is that Charlie Dixon's missing has almost been a blessing in disguise for these guys oh, because geez. they've been calling yeah. calling out for these they've guys to, to step up yeah. and then this is the big chances they've mm. had to take it. They've been forced into being the number one man for Marshall and that. Yeah. Um, and they're actually now looking pretty good, so much that we actually have to ask the question, would you bring Dixon back in? Well, yeah, yeah you definitely would. Mm. Yeah. Um, but you wonder what they're going to look like. Could they be making a move? I know you could argue they this. I reckon this is probably their their actual big scalp. St Kilda, you know, they kind of kind of fell into it and yep. got a win. Yep. This was a real scalp. Yep. And I'm excited to see if they can continue on. Tis. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it'd be interesting to see in the coming weeks um, where the dogs are actually at. We, you know, they seem to be um, on the decline, but we'll definitely see. I think Georgiades is probably. Susceptible. Yeah, his goal kicking annoys me. Um, he's, <laughs> he's kicked, he kicked over four on the weekend, and we saw oh. Marshall mm. take contested marks everywhere. We saw Finlayson kick three. I think um, the best three would be Finlayson, Dixon, and um, Marshall in that forward line. So that's where I'd go. And George mm. Yardis has to smash the door down to basically get in the side because he just he faces on um, to like. Not even you know, straight at the goals. He faces elsewhere and kicks it exactly where he's going to, and it annoys me. Tice is our resident goal-kicking man, and that's what I say. Square the shoulders up yep. the goal face, Tiz. That's it. So not doing it. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, the dogs are in a fair bit of trouble. We've mentioned it a number of times throughout yeah. this year already, boys. Um, you know, are they going to make the eight? No. No. No, they're no. not. They're not going to make the eight with the way that their, their team is. and the, It's not something that just can be coached into them to be better because the fact of the matter is and I've said it every every time I think we bring up the dogs is where is their tools where are they who's playing who's actually any good in this you looked at the back line Tim O'Brien went down mm. and what did Oops. they do they kept Cordy up forward yeah. even though they were getting dominated up in the back line the tools everything that came into that 50 for port they were taking hands they were marking it because yep. they had no one there to actually compete against the tall forwards. And I, I don't know, I reckon... I think the coach is just really stubborn. And I think he's really just... This is what I want to do and I want to prove to everyone how great a coach I am. I'm going to stick with this. And even if things start to look bad, isn't making a change. And I don't think... Yeah, I don't think they're going anywhere. Well, I think you might get that stubbornness sometimes when they come so close and a coach has an insane amount of faith in his boys. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I don't think they're going anywhere too fast. And you're right, that probably was discussed and they probably thought about making a change. But, you know, you make that move and then all of a sudden you've got no targets in the forward line. I mean, they miss English like, no, I mean, yeah. it's massive. I mean, it doesn't stop down back or up mm. forward, but it does give them more of a presence. But, yeah, I just think they had an amazing run last year. Got close, but 
Yeah, I feel as if they're probably middle of the row. I, I could still see them making finals mm. and playing some yeah. good footy, but they're not doing any damage. They get English, Bang. potentially Keith and Bond back this week, so big that's help. Three then big that'll help them. Yeah. Mm. Just, just on the point of like you know you need a target up forward. Mm. I'd say here's what can you control? You can control how you kick into the fifty. Mm. You can't control how your opposition's going to kick into the fifty. So you can lower your targets and start mm. hitting people on the chest to counter the fact you don't have a tall presence up there. You can't stop the, the the opposition from bombing it up high and just getting outmarked every second. So they needed someone down back, and they yeah. chose not to. And it's, I think it's one of the main factors why they lost the game was yeah. because they were just so easy to beat up forward. And we've seen, you know, um, defenses that have had a few out. I mean, West Coast Premiership side rings a bell. They're able to systematically cover the loss of key tools. And we've talked about the dogs when they have been shorted in the forward line and, and then we've been talking about that. So I agree with your first point, Chuck. I think the fact is they're trying to fill a hole and they don't have the tools to fill it. The big thing with that West Coast team was that their midfield of the last eight weeks were like off the charts mm. with one of the best performing midfields of an eight-week period in history almost and that pressure that came mm, on yes. opposition's yep. midfields didn't allow other teams to kick inside 50 with you know, much efficiency. So that's just not there for the dogs at the moment. Well, Ty said, if you give any side time and space, yeah. you're going to sell your back line out to the wolves. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dog is hunger and that pressure sort of um, gauge we're discussing now is um, probably a dipped a fair bit and um, isn't going to make your life easy as a backman. So, yeah, mm. they've got a lot of work to do. And I feel like I've said that a few times this year for Port, uh, not Port Adelaide, uh, for the Western Bulldogs. So what about Port? I mean... They were in turmoil, home five, three in a row. Is, is it just as simple as they'll fight back, they're finding their good footy, but you know it's going to be too hard to do any genuine damage? Well, they've, oh, got, they've got North this week, North. which and is a great little, uh, you know, if they get a little bit of percentage there, funnily enough. They, then the Cats is a real c- challenge for them, I reckon. It's mm. going to be the one where they're testing, are we the real deal? Or they, are could, we... they could even oh, find themselves right. in the eight port at the end of the round. If Richmond, Collingwood and... Dogs lose, and if they get enough percentage, they could find themselves in the eight. So they've done well to um, stop the hemorrhage of mm. losses, and they've even, just sort of banked a couple wins. It helps when you play West Coast and North in mm. the space of four weeks. But well, long-term, big picture, do you see them? Are if, they just potentially making because the bottom so part many of the players and... weren't available earlier in the year? They could get you know sort of rally the troops and get there late. I don't see them doing a lot of damage because yeah. you spend so many tickets to get there. But yeah, they could they could pinch a final. There's a lot of Sydney Owen six yeah, big time about mm. them, and I think it'll be a similar case. I think um, young guys that we were kind of whipping a bit like Rosie have have actually lifted a bit compared mm. to where they were earlier in the in the season. Because we were saying I think earlier rounds, Butters seemed to be the only one that was still actually showing mm. a presence, but. Rosie's actually looking pretty good, and I know Dersma's been like dropped and then sneaks back in and then dropped, but yeah, you know that. Just comes to see how they go, and I think they they've they've got enough young guys to build up. They just probably need an off season of good recruiting um, coming through, I reckon, and they'll be maybe back competitive again. Mm. The, the contest definitely has um, really shot back up where they would probably like it. Their pressure's mm. good. Their ball movement, their ground ball has been um, yeah really prolific, and Dixon's probably you know, very very valuable to the side, and will. 
make them grow. So yeah, I, I think yeah, probably in a similar vein to Langs. Thank you. Where uh, they could probably pinch a final, kind of. I see them in a similar boat to Geelong. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Charlie, you mentioned Charlie Dixon there, and his old team, the Gold yes. Coast. Uh, did what they do best and beat the Swans in Sydney. Chalk. Hey, Chuck, you could talk about that game now if yes, you like. That was just great time. That was a segue. That was a segue yeah. too. Oh, <laughs> so anyway, no. I think Point yeah. Adelaide won't Sick. make final. <laughs> <laughs> no, just to to kick it off, um, a comeback. We've we spoke a few seasons ago about you know players like Menzel and all that coming back from long term injuries, but this yes. one. Rory Thompson, mm. 1,379 days since his previous AFL game. He came back in. You know, he's a backman, so he's not really going to get tons of flash and, and the ball and look exciting or anything. But it's just great to have that sort of story and, and to see someone come in and, and still continuing, you know, to hold on to that list. He's obviously an appreciated player at the Suns and it was good to see that They put him in the centre of the circle when they sung the song, so it obviously meant quite a lot That's to them. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah right. Maybe that was some of the lift that, you know, sort of got them over the line in the end because they were they were headed three times by the, the Swans that drew within a goal and, the, and three times they pulled away from mm. a side that's looked like a genuine flag threat at times this year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's different. And to get on to the actual game, I think one of the core factors here is... Jared Witts dominated Ooh. that ruck. Mm. Yeah. Dominated. 37 hitouts. He has been very underrated this year. I think he's kind of flying under the radar when it comes to the ruck discussion. Of who are the best rucks? I think he's destroying it. Mm. I said this last season when he was out all year that he's so crucial to that mm. side. He's a captain, co-captain, I think, of Took this year, isn't That's he? That's correct. Took Took. <laughs> <laughs> he is dominant. He's a force to be reckoned with in that midfield. And, yeah, he just gave it straight to the mids who, who yeah. were eating it up and mm. equally eating it up. It wasn't just a case of two <laughs> racking up 38 touches and everyone else kind of just sitting there. I think mm. Miller only had about 20 disposals because mm. the other guy stepped up big. We saw Fiorini actually firing to the Brain. potential that we mm-hmm. thought that he actually could be. He seemed a bit down this year, like wondering what he's doing. <laughs> Swallow, he's mm. rejuvenated. Yeah. He, he came up and playing midfield, actually getting... Swallowing up the pill. Oh, uh, looking great. Stupid. Ellis. What are we who, rated on this podcast, PG? <laughs> Ellis, who's always been pretty consistent since he came from the yeah. Tigers, also a really good presence. And I think these guys just really lifted, and it was a really good performance from their midfield against who we argue are a very formidable yeah. side. You know, Mills and, and Heaney and all the Parker, who's oh, been really well. Gold Coast just took it to him, yeah, boys. What did you think of that sort of midfield battle? Was it just a case of the ruck dominance allowing it, or did. Just pick up. From what I saw, I didn't see much of this game, to be honest, but mm. the Swans were very turnover uh, poor coming out of defence and the Gold Coast were set up really well. So I think the, the midfields battled pretty pretty evenly, but it's just that efficiency coming out of defence and goes to show against any team, if you kick it like that, you can put yourself up for a loss. Seemed to be a lot of grit about this win. Mm. You know, I just think I didn't catch stat, like bits of the game, but I know... Me and Tyce were talking about it, like you mentioned. Sydney were just forced to take risks that they yeah. would not have liked to have taken. And Gold Coast were brilliantly set up and, and were able to just make it count. And Casbolt continues to be a really good story <laughs> yeah, for the season. Does, I think, he? Um, he, was re- he was retired, basically. Yeah, yeah and, and everyone's like, oh, of course, Gold Coast pick him up. You know, recycled player. But he's, he's been really good. And then he wasn't mm-hmm. even going to play because he had to get his vaccine stuff sorted too. Oh, yeah, so that's true. There was doubts yeah. whether he was going to get... Uh, Picked. We always focus on his poor kicky and you know, it's never going to get better, but 
he is a beautiful mark. Yeah. And he, and he obviously, is kicking goals too. He is. So he's worked on he it. He obviously just trains, trains and trains. Yeah. And you know, he keeps going in. Yeah. I, it was going to be one of my next points. Was, I think he's been probably one of the pickups of the season. Like, they, with, imagine without him after King goes down, yeah. how they would be playing right now. Chol, yeah. who also got picked up and is playing extremely he's not well the same for them. Sort of forward, but he's not he? the key main presence that we've been seeing from Casbolt, who. Who's done it for several years at Carlton when they were, you know, laughing stock? So he knows how to handle it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think they're looking decent. I think he is a big part of why they actually look like a confident side. Big time. Now, Tyson, you hate the Suns. How, <laughs> how do you think they went this week, mate? And how do you think that bottom four finish is going forward? Whoa! <laughs> it was a very impressive uh, result for the, the, the Coasters. So, um, you know. The Coasters? <laughs> Coasted on to victory. No, it was, it was obviously you know, a lot of determination going into that win. And, you know, they... Sydney, um, yeah, kept throwing, you know, kicks down the corridor. I just couldn't believe how. I reckon they went in the corridor seven or eight times in the last five minutes, and they t- every one was a turnover. So, goal codes were uh, they were incredible in being able to defend that, but also it was just unusual for to see Sydney sort of make those mistakes. Um, Are you going to give Gold Coast any credit? I mean, do you hate them that much? <laughs> <laughs> a very, a very <laughs> impressive win, and um, obviously it's a big month to see how they sort of go, but. Uh, you know, their contests work very good. We know Sydney probably don't uh, go super well in that department. So a very workmanlike blue-collar performance oh, on the Gold Coast. And took the words out of my mouth. Oh, no. That is, that is it, isn't it? Oh, boy. Um, and, yeah, they just they just just grind their way to a win. And, um, yeah, it takes a bit of that pressure off Stewie Jew. But, yeah, just a great even team performance. With, with that, though, I'm just going to say Stewie Jew should not be under any pressure. No. I think it's a joke, laughing stock, oh, that man. people are just taking the opportunity that Alistair Clarkson, oh, headlines. He might want to go it's, to the. It's sun. always going to work. It's a joke. He's what had the gig for a few years, been crippled by injury mm. since they started. They were never going to be up in the finals while he's been coach, mm. and he's they're showing great progress. Mm. And I reckon this year they're going to show people exactly why he's a good coach. It is tough whenever Clarko's looming, though, isn't it? It's only natural for that. It's like to... hiding in the broom closet. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, I mean, I feel like for a club that has had quite a few top draft picks over the journey, their best wins are often workmanlike. Mm. You know, they're often hard forward. And you know, there's improvement to be had there. Lukosius isn't playing great footy. I think he might have been sucked Anderson out. didn't play. Anderson is not in there. And uh, Rankin has been, you know, he was not too bad at times, but I feel like he's even he's got been better under footy the microscope. ahead of him. Yeah. He's been under the. He was either dropped or having mm. serious conversations. With yeah. The coach. How about the when he either got a free or a mark? Just gave it. A, it's not great for a podcast, but the smirk he gave. Yeah. Did you see yeah. that? No, I didn't yeah, actually. Holy oh, shit! You'll, you'll see it throughout the week. Just confident for sure. Yeah. yeah. He's got swagger. Yeah. Big mm. time. They um that they need to set standards for when they play like that. They get wins like that. That should be the blueprint for the Gold Coast Suns, and then yeah. that is how they'll win respect back from yep. the wide AFL community yep. just by playing that type of football. And myself, <laughs> yeah, my, most importantly, me. Yep, I'm keen to see how they go against Frio as well. That'll be an actual challenge. Consistency is really what we good. want to see. Yep. I don't think anyone here maybe will find out, but going to tip them to win it. But huh. we just want to see them be competitive, take them on. Maybe make Will Brody switch jumpers back at half time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited to see how the Suns go. I'm just really, really quickly on the Swans, I don't mm. think they've lost a lot of respect out of that game. It was it was a pretty close 
loss mm. in, in, in this season. I think that losses can happen to anyone. Any game is up for grabs. Except I've for got Melbourne. a couple of concerns about it, yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah, I, not just purely off the back of the game, but, you know, even against Hawthorne yep. and Brisbane. Yep. I just feel like they're becoming a bit of a, not flashy, but... They play in spurts, you yeah. know, and it's fantastic when the river's running for them, but yeah. I just don't know if they're in the trenches, like Tyce alluded to their contested ball. And Is the answer to that because they're, cause they're still a young team? Is that, um, is that probably the most think, obvious answer? I or? think Fremantle are a young team and good in the trenches, yeah. so I don't mm, necessarily yeah. think it's a cop-out yeah. um, to say just because they're young, but I think they're in the category of they probably feel like they can contend. Yep. Yeah. And they definitely want to fix up yep. that part of the game. Yep, plenty of time. But, but I also, it's weird because Kennedy is one of their best inside ball players, but they're almost transitioning the list but contending at the same time. So it's a weird, weird mm. spot they find themselves in. Weird. I know I'm the leader of the Isaac Heaney fan club, but he's got to get more time. We, we've heard about it. He's got to get more time in the middle. I know yep. he's got slightly more midfield minutes. But they just love his forward of the ball stuff yep. and inside 50 work. But I, I genuinely think he's a contested ball player. Yeah. Yeah, I think he could be and, the answer. And should have kicked. He had three behind, three mm. goals he missed. 46% efficiency he had yeah. from his I think touches. with Papley and Franklin now back yeah. in the team. And yeah. Golden and Haywood Wrong. and like every other <laughs> person. How was Franklin though? Was Franklin a bit injured? Because he went down to the rooms, I think, with his hand see. a couple of times or something see. like he that. He did so. just come back from that broken finger a yeah. couple yeah. of times. Well, there was a big news that he refused to high-five a fan, so everyone's like, oh, his hand must be cooked or something. He's just an arse. just didn't want to touch that pen over the fence. Breaking news, buddy Franklin hates you. <laughs> I actually think he was down in the rooms after Collins gave him a bath. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, just a bit, bit of fun there with um, Budweiser. Speaking of baths, mate, the uh, hmm. the D's thought they we thought they might have had a challenger in the Saints, but it turned out not to be so. It's hmm. always interesting these games, boys, when you get a team that's been playing great footy, hmm. but all of a sudden they come up against the, the real benchmark. And also vice versa, when the benchmark that all of a sudden throughout the week, it's like, oh, they haven't really played too many of substance. You know, (laughs) Joey Montagna's gone on about that. But then boom, the the ledger was sort of set out, wasn't it? I think it was a massive first half in particular. I was just listening to this one on the radio as I worked. It's always hard to get a good feel for it over the airwaves, but it was pretty dominant. All I was hearing was Oliver and Petrarca just waxing waxing between one another and I thought it was pretty damning stuff. I mm. I think St Kilda would have been really disappointed yeah. you know, with this performance. Really? I think when you build yourself up and you go, hang on, we're, we're not bad in this competition, and to get beaten in the manner they did is probably the concerning thing. Yeah. I, I still think you can lose, but they were pummeled early. Yeah, I didn't see a single second of this game. So To me, it felt like... Melbourne sat back, just took a smoke of the pipe and said, okay, how you going? We're going to knock you out in the first round yep. here. And we're going to you know, lay punches just on the chin, put you into the corner. The yeah, and they did. It was really powerful performance. It yep. just sort of said, we're going to do what we need to do against mm-hmm. these lower teams, and then when a challenge comes up, we can lift it. Down by six goals at halftime doesn't give you any chance against Melbourne. I think Melbourne. at one point it was like, I feel like it was 49 to 7 or yeah. something, and I was like... Pfft. This yep. is getting ugly. Yeah. What do you think, boys? Well, obviously, I saw bits and pieces, a few highlights here and there, but um, seeing, yeah, just seeing the scoreline was just making me go, oh, gee, this is a real reality check for the Saints. Mm. And just, 
unfortunately uh, for the wider footy community, it's probably not D's fans just kind of go, oh, gee, yeah, they're, they're going places this year. And um, yeah, there's definitely a bit of argy bargy throughout the game. I think uh, later on the piece with mm-hmm. um, old mate Jones with uh, yeah. Langdon on the wing, there was, there was a bit going on there, mate, getting involved afterwards and, and stuff. So. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of spirit, and you know they fall back a little bit. But mm. as you said, Shorty, you know it's um, it's too little, too late, really. And yeah, off the D's just um, they did as they pleased. They you know they really took them on, and they just found a way to. I think Tommy McDonald absolutely had a field day in the forward <laughs> line, and Ben Brown was kicking goals. So yeah, yeah, yeah it, it sounded like um, a bit of a bash up in the they, midfield without seeing it super closely. They, they were kind of in cruise control, weren't they? And it, mm. it's an interesting one because. People have been saying how the Demons seem to play a couple really dominant quarters so far this year. Like, they'll play a couple dominant ones at some point and then kind of be in cruise control for the for the rest of the game. They probably took this one as a, as a challenge for, right from the get-go against the Saints, went full hard, mm. smashed them. What were they up? Four goals to nothing or something mm. along the likes in the first quarter. Then just kept it on and then maybe just cruise back a little bit from then on allowed the Saints to maybe get some dignity back, but not really <laughs> enough because they straight went back to it um, and then just kind of held it neck and neck from there, maintaining that sort of margin. So they put they they know when to put the work in, the Demons, and then just to kind of relax and then maintain composure. Um, There's a lot of the 08 cats about them for mine. Oh, do you want to say yeah. that? And I've, I've said kind of silly. They do look no, like a dominant force. And really? In terms of the way they can control the levels could, that they're at. But you yep. could also mm. arguably say that they have similar vibes in that they could be open to to an upset at some that's, stage. That's what in I was finals, a, a team like A plucky team like Fremantle who've been <laughs> building up all this sort of you know momentum and they're young and upcoming and they've got fire and energy. What, while they it's, could come back while it's good that it. they're winning the way that they are, I just think it's, it's unsustainable to just win all the way through the season and they, they have to drop one and what will happen a couple yeah yeah, yeah. and what will one of those ones could be a prelim yeah. they'll That's drop it. one and they will drop one throughout the season yeah. and it'll be big news but supporters and quietly coaches will be like it's not the worst thing to yeah. happen. Yeah, it's not yeah. the oh, worst thing to happen. No already, one wants to enter the finals like that. Once they're at 12 wins, they've done the work, and then they can just yeah. psh, psh, like literally pick off games towards and the And isn't it great to be rewarded yeah. by a good start and get a chance to rest your players yeah. and yeah. not have a pre-finals bye? Yes. <laughs> Shouldn't you get rewarded for starting the season well and get yes. management of your team? Yes. yes. Wasn't it interesting like to see the three, the dominance in the midfield there in Oliver and Petrarca both getting the high 30s? Brayshaw was back up there again, yeah. uh, racking up high disposals. But Langdon, I don't think you can go unnoticed how important this guy is to their side. I know mm. he racked up 39 disposals this week, and that's 39. what you're talking that's, about. Yeah, that's, that's huge. But I think week in, week out, he's a crucial link between everyone on the team. He gets, sneaks up forward sometimes, kicks a goal. I think he's really crucial to this side, and I, I'd probably take him in a heartbeat from a lot of clubs. He's, he's, he's the key. He's, he's, yeah, you think about it, sorry, I was just going to say, is <laughs> I'm pretty sure when Melbourne were you know, putting in their bets to try and snag Isaac Smith from mm. the Cats, the fact that the Cats got him probably saved him because I think they were moved to Langdon straight after they lost the Smith kind of battle. I think Langdon was Langdon there a was couple there, of years before. Was he already? Yeah, he's been there for a while. Yeah, he was he's there, there but for three, three, three or four years. He's the number one guy Who am I thinking of then? Yeah. He's the number one guy to tag, isn't he? You know, <laughs> yeah, Hawthorne, 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 Hawthor
I don't reckon you can really tag Petrarca and Oliver to <laughs> to that extent. Say you can limit their influence, and you can just, just. you can maybe take them from thirty two and a, a twenty seven. That's maybe yep. not when as many score yep. involvements. Well, I reckon you can take Langdon from mid to high thirties. You can take him under twenty. Well, he had, nine, not he used had, to he had nine against Hawthorne. Yeah. He got yeah. absolutely smacked by so, Connor Nash. So. so in terms of value for your tag, yep. on the outside is where they get where Melbourne yeah. gets you, and then yeah. that's where you've got to transition. Put your time mm. into Langdon, which Hawthorne did, and, and you mate, know, nearly got him the points. James Harms in that same boat too. He's just just floats. Mm. Brayshaw just floats. Yeah, has twenty five and eight and marks. Like and, Neil Bullen and Jordan and Sparrow, like they're sort of unheralded, but they. They're part of just a well-oiled machine. Yeah, yeah, mm, absolutely. It's, it's hard to see a team that, that can get them. You, you think of Fremantle as probably the main contender yeah. against them, and Brisbane probably comes to mm-hmm. mind. And I think Geelong are the absolute best at GMHBA, and we got them later in the year. Could get the job done. I'd still be more comfortable with Melbourne in that game, but yeah, it's going to be going to be tricky. But they'll lose a couple. Speaking of losing a couple, this week they're flying to Perth. Gorn potentially will not play going for scans. Oh boy, what have you heard, Jake? Me? Well, just, just yeah, just a couple of knee knocks. Um, not saying anything specific, but would, why would you risk putting Gorn you? on that flight to Perth when you're going to smash West Coast by 600 points anyway? I don't know why you would. Well, I'm telling you. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you're a Melbourne coach, you're surely thinking, well, at some stage we're probably going to rest Max. He's a bit sore. We're going mm. to West Coast. Uh, put your feet well, up, Chuck mate. mentioned it off the top. Dangerfield had an injury and ended up having two, three weeks of rest and looked amazing. Yeah. Get around yeah. it. <laughs> I, think, I think every side should be doing it. Definitely. Yeah. Because I think what we've all been seeing the last few years is it's not about where you are when you get to finals. It's about be, making it to yeah. finals and then being able to just push from there. Lots of sides have clawed and, and dragged their way to get to the, the top two mm. and then go out in the prelim or go out the week before to a team that was fresh and just were perfectly aligned. You know, the doggies side, demon side, definitely. Other sides like that have just done it. You, as you look at a team like the Cats in the past who've just been pushing and then you've had a few injuries towards the end, you know, a Dangerfield who probably hasn't been fit for two seasons now, mm. who's now looking mm. good. You've got to rest players you got to give them a chance to recuperate and come back and look fit and firing. So it doesn't mm. matter who it is. If Petrarca looks like he's got a bit of an iffy hamstring or a knee one week, rest him mm. because you need them there don't for risk finals. Yep. You don't want to risk losing them for months. 10 weeks. Mm. Well, well, Kingy will say often that health is your best player going sure to the finals. Is. So, yeah, um, yeah no, spot on there, Chuck. We've added out. Yeah. One big bit of news that is floating around this week has been the West Coast club situation um, it's obviously been made pretty public as of today but the seven players were named and they had a five thousand dollar sanction half of that was suspended which is a fair sanction a not strong enough sanction what are we thinking uh, in this i'm always, i find it tough to assess sanctions sometimes yeah. but what i do know is what's going on there <laughs> what, what are you doing there's bigger issues here i mean then. probably the biggest sanction is the one-on-one chat they have with simo or some coaches i mean that's when you're going to be held most account the cash means nothing well, you know it's just like what's still, going on he's mate? still in iso imagine the day he gets out of iso and walks into he's the gonna club. look at joshy rotham and hugh dicks going are you for real mate? i don't even yeah. know your yeah. name a few weeks ago honestly what are you doing hugh Dixon, like we've given yeah. you literally a lifeline in this sport mm. and you and you go and do that Jackson Nelson is a senior player. 
Waterman's a senior player, and their Campbell Chesser was brought along. I don't know the context of, mm. you know, obviously they didn't drag him, kidnap him, and drag him along to the night, <laughs> but he's their number one draft yeah. pick. So imagine if Sam Walsh does this in his first year at Carlton, Just, in in this yeah. predicament of the co- how COVID affected WA is and how poorly the team is going on yeah, field. I'll just say, yeah. you know, devil's advocate, who doesn't maybe go out for a couple of drinks after a t- pretty shit day at work or a shitty day, but. When you're getting paid the big bucks and you're living in a place that's covered with COVID, then maybe you'd probably need to be, if you want to have a couple of drinks, maybe convert it to a, a small gathering at home with mm. other players rather than going to a nightclub. That's the well, issue that's here. It, it's it? it's yeah. not the drinks. It's the discussion that they had as a club to say nightclubs are banned. Mm. They're not right. you know banned letter of the law, but it's a trust thing that mm. as a club, we need to get through this together. And everyone else is doing the work. 38-year-old Josh Kennedy's doing the work. Yeah. And he's being one of your best players every week. And then the young kids just sneak out the back door and, and put all that work out to the... Yeah. What. Yeah. It's super disrespectful to the team. That's kind of like a, you know, conceding, like giving up. Like yeah. this season. Yeah. And I mean, you've got to be scrapping and fighting for getting a regular spot. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, having some pride in the jumper, first and foremost. So, yeah, they definitely need to take a, a good look at themselves and get their... You know, set set some standards. <laughs> and, shit together. Yeah, set set some standards and adhere to them. Um, on things aren't going well. It's it's probably you know a club low for where they're at at the moment. But yeah. um, it's oh, yeah, it's it's not really good enough, especially well, considering the COVID well, uh, we're on conditions. West Coast, this is a lot more than just getting hit by COVID for a few weeks and looking like they're not going to recover this season. No, they, oh, no. they can get their full list, their full best 22 back on the park and I still think that side would be getting pumped by other clubs. I, I think it's a, like Tiz was alluding to, it's like a, it's a mental they're thing. Just I think they've, I think they've checked out. Some of them, not all of them. Mm. Some of the players that have been there for a while are still you know putting yeah. up really yeah. strong performances. How, how disrespectful to Shannon Hearn, you know, Josh Kennedy, yeah. an all-time great to the club. Mm. Like, well, it goes yeah, back going, to when he kicked the 700 goals yeah. and like six blokes got to him and Noah Bolton got to him. It's because half the team's like, I don't even actually know yeah. that guy. Do I need to go give him a high five? Kingy was saying on, on radio today, because he, I assume, would be close with Adam Simpson, mm-hmm. but can can an incident like that have, you know, ripple effects to the club as a whole? Does Simpson now think, like, am I, am I right to be here? To, am I in this to go through a rebuild? Because mm-hmm. does a move like that, do I have the players' respect? That sort of thing. Like I don't, I don't, to, I don't think yeah. that's the case. But how it do you think you, Simpson's feeling? Like you have he's to make up. you um, yeah. doubt yourself yeah. a touch. But yeah, like Chook said, I they could have the majority of their list available, like a reasonable injury yep. list, and have no COVID. This is a team heading towards the bottom of the ladder at a pretty rapid rate. Mm. <laughs> because you just got to look at their age demographic. We've mentioned it before, so. Yes, there's definitely a lot going wrong. It's a recipe for disaster. But this team is heading downwards regardless. You talk about this, and we were comparing Melbourne to Geelong in their prime. Mm -hmm. This week, Melbourne are playing West Coast. Could we see... Melbourne, we're on the receiving end. We're on the receiving end of the worst scoring margin in the history of the game. Could we be seeing Melbourne, at its peak, destroy its side into the dust? this week and win by you know 150 plus points even without Gorn I, f- I don't think so but yeah like even without him he, they could they could give it a shake <laughs> it's always possible it just yeah. comes down to the mindset of the playing group a bit yeah. like Brisbane on the week if, if Melbourne feel like they're travelling well and enjoying the yeah. date they could drive them three figures into the ground <laughs> quite easily 
But you also might see, you know, first half up by 50 points, just they go, win. nice yeah. boys, we'll just yeah. cruise from here. It just yeah. depends how hungry they are to really mm. slaughter a team. Yeah, I'm probably not the best person to ask um, with my uh, bet on the weekend. Where's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of cash, Tiz? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I had, had uh, West Coast to lose by more than 98 points, and so I'm definitely not the best person for this. But, um, yeah, Shorty's pretty much spot on. I think um, they will see how much they are up at half time, and they they definitely can. It's just a matter of do they prioritise percentage or do they prioritise player management um, at the end of the yeah. day? Makes yep. makes plenty of sense. Uh, well, but it'll be a big win. Well, <laughs> I didn't put this on the agenda, but I just wanted oh, to raise a point. Oh. While we were talking about West Coast second side, and I think you, you mentioned um, Dalhouse had played a pretty good game in the yes. VFL pre pre. I wanted to raise the way the VFL and the AFL are actually integrating together because mm. it seems like they're almost trying to transition into a, a seconds competition almost in that... You know, the, most of the teams now have a team in the VFL, like, you know, the interstate mm. guys have come in. But it's still very separate because how a team's going to treat the VFL when they have separate coaches and separate, separate stuff, they're trying to get the win while also trying to train and develop players for their role in the AFL side simultaneously. It's almost a confliction there between how's the power dynamic work? Because if, if the stats showed that. Dalhouse played on ball for like the entirety of the VFL game, racked up the ball, got best on ground. And that's completely meaningless to him in AFL level because he has a specific role at the AFL where he's playing at half forward flank. And we've seen similar stuff in the past. Uh, if I think of Cats, you know, guys like George Hall and Smith and Billy Smeds and stuff who would play on ball week in, week out in the VFL, dominate, get disposals, and then get chucked on a wing or at half forward and play completely wrong football we do we need to be actually should clubs be looking and going all right dullhouse we know we need you in the vfl to play this role but the afl role needs you here playing your half forward in the vfl even though it's not going to be best for the vfl side it's better for the afl side and your development they only had three afl listed players in the vfl so i think it was just sort of anything goes in that regard but yeah i certainly and pro mm. AFL teams having specific follower teams, seconds team, and and putting into place like you'd want your your younger players playing the same role they'll come into in the AFL. I think that that makes because yeah. I've sense. I've seen in the past where a guy he's playing full back or he's playing centre half back in the AFL when he gets a game, but when he's playing in the VFL they had him at full forward kicking yeah, snags at ten. How does he learn thing. his lesson about coming into the the VFL if he's been playing at full forward in in the, in the seconds. It's it's yeah. an interesting dynamic, and I was just wondering if you guys had any thoughts of is it possible to coexist that they can learn different roles or, or who actually would get priority? Obviously, it seems at the moment mm. VFL. Once you're in the VFL team, that coach does with you as he pleases. Yeah, well, I don't think it's necessarily new, is it? I mean, this no. has been happening for a long time. I mean, VFL coach, senior AFL coach would be in consultation about. Managing minutes for fitness, developing guys in certain areas. It's it is sometimes unique, and I, I get where you're coming from. But it's more so often youngsters will play yeah pure midfield in the VFL because that's going to be their long term position. But there's a you know apprenticeship you got to sort of take. You know, you, yes, this is where we see you and developing nicely in twos. But if you're good enough for seniors, well, obviously you're not pushing the big dogs out. You got to play this role. So it's 
Um, it's just a a quirk in footy, I suppose, isn't it? You mm. know, and the Dalhouse one is that is a bit strange, but I think um, certainly through the midfield, it's quite unique. They're trying to play him back into form, aren't they? They're trying to get him <laughs> back in the back in the senior side. Um, I mean, yeah, without me knowing too much, I would think it, logical sense would be to play players where they're going to end up being. Um, doesn't seem like that's transpired out this way and probably don't have a, a great um, understanding of what, how other clubs go about it, whether it's, whether it's similar. Um, obviously, we've got a bit of um, yeah, some camps in Geelong and um, some interest there. So, yeah, you would think getting the best benefit for players would be to have them practising, have that muscle memory of knowing what to do, especially you know, if you're playing like you know, that half-back or intercept intercept mark sort of player um, to kind of know your running patterns and everything as well makes logical sense there but yeah and I would have thought AFL would have taken precedence we saw that mm. the waffle game got cancelled or, or postponed or whatever it was for the Eagles um, due to actually just getting the AFL game underway so interesting little quirks as we yeah. mentioned and, throughout and a coach would say players need to have multiple strings to their bow as well I think <laughs> it's not like say take Cooper Stevens for example if he's playing VFL he's in the guts main guy in the midfield but if you're good enough for the seniors mate you're going to have to be able to spend time on a flank mm. rotate through a wing and when you get your chance be inside the stoppage so you got to have a few strings mm. to the bow I, I think back of the do you remember the VFL grand final I think Cyril was working himself back into form and they rested him for the last quarter of the VFL grand final I think they ended mm. up losing that grand final oh and God. he got brought into the AFL because they wanted to give him game time for the AFL grand final that was coming up mm. and he actually played it the VFL players lost the game because they were playing a man down effectively who was fit but because they wanted to rest him and have him ready for the AFL, they lost a grand final and, and because of it. Jonathan Simpkin had played 14 games and got admitted for Cyril <sighs> and for just ahead of finals and missed mm. out on a flag. But. It's a tough one. It's all about them AFL flags, and then unfortunately... Yep. We'll <laughs> run through the rest of the results uh, that we didn't speak about uh, over this round. Uh, obviously, Fremantle smashed the Kangaroos in WA at Optus Stadium, kept them to only three goals for the whole mm. game. Uh, Richmond beat the Magpies quite comfortably by 27 points. The Cats smashed GWS in the nation's capital, Jeremy Cameron kicking five. Uh, the Bombers had an amazing comeback victory against the Hawks in something I didn't see coming after they had five players admitted just mm. before the bounce with the flu. Uh, Brisbane obviously beat West Coast by 75, and Carlton had a really strong win over the Crows yeah, on the Sunday. Could have been anything. I thought it was going to be 130 points that uh, game, but that's right. You know, it's interesting the Richmond Collingwood game. So Richmond performed pretty well getting that win. They're gonna, they've got a few weeks which are going to make them look pretty good. I'd say if they get the wins because they're playing teams that are performing well but aren't like game stealers. So they got Hawks, I think, this week. So that's the one that they could get a win in. Then they've got uh, just after that the Bombers, who are. Kind of like, well, we know they're a bit of a basket, but they kind of seem to be doing all right-ish at the moment. <laughs> Followed by the Swans, who have been hit and miss. Richmond could be kind of building up to look pretty competitive and good, even though we kind of had already written them off. It's, in, it's They're almost mm. under the radar this season. 
Yeah, well, Dusty back, obviously. Did you hear Dusty was back? Oh, um, no, I didn't hear. Every time he touched the ball, he did worse. He got uh, holding the ball like four times, but he's yeah, the yeah. greatest player. Grimes is back. Um, Lambert's back, who's like a really important mm. player. Cochin's probably better when they're in the side. So, um, yeah, Lynch is obviously in probably career-best form the last two weeks. He's kicked, uh, I think, 13 goals. Um, yeah, seven against the Eagles and six against the Pies. Who was playing like Wayne Carey? Sure was. Um, but yeah, we'll see how they go over the next few weeks. So they're a bit hot and cold, but they've got if the cattle's not going to be any, the excuse if they lose. A lot to look out for yeah, in the next is. few weeks as there we is. get to the pointy end of the season. Mm. That will end our episode uh, this week of AFL Limited. Fans, make sure you are commenting, liking, and subscribing on all of our platforms. We love hearing from you week after week and all of your likes and comments. So, mm-hmm. um, boys, thank you for joining me. It's good to have you all back. Good to be here. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. AFL Unlimited, because footy is limitless.